0: As uh, Pastor Steve said, my name's uh, Randy Carlberg, and uh, I have, have been around this place uh, for quite a while, and I get the privilege of uh, of being in the pulpit here this morning. It's good for me to, to be up here um, sharing what uh, the Lord's laid on my heart, and uh, hopefully uh, after we're done here, you'll feel the same way. Um, but... Uh, I really, really appreciate that let me uh, let me uh, start us with a word of prayer and then we'll we 'll get into it. Father, God, thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you for the worship which uh, turns our hearts uh, towards you and uh, reminds us of of who we are in you. I pray God that you would go before us uh, now. I pray that as we take time to look into your word and to talk about the subject of of uh, spiritual growth and discipleship, I pray that uh, you would speak to our hearts and minds. I pray that you would help me not to to get in the way, but that you would just uh, communicate to us and through us. Thank you, Father, for this time together. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> well, um, if you've been here, you know that uh, we have a, a summer preaching series that we've been going through on uh, on a healthy church. Excuse me, and this is... Uh, uh, kind of based on uh, or, or taken from a book by Mark Dever called uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And so we've been taking these nine marks. They're not exhaustive by any means, but we've been taking these nine marks and, and going through them um, uh, this summer. Uh, Pastor Jeff uh, went through expository preaching, the verse-by-verse the verse, uh, going through the Word uh, through preaching. Um, uh, Pastor Nathan and Pastor Jeff talked about biblical theology. Um, Pete Johnson uh, went through the gospel and uh, and then followed that up with the biblical understanding of conversion and what that means. Um, Nathan Schneider and Steve Hatter uh, talked through uh, the biblical understanding of church membership and uh, and all that that entails. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And then. Uh, uh, Pastor Jeff had, uh, talked through, um, church discipline, biblical understanding of church discipline, and why that is, and what that is, and, and, uh, how unpopular that is in a lot of places, uh, today. Um, and then last week, uh, Jeff, Jeff talked about a biblical understanding of evangelism, and, uh, and I hope you were here for that, and, and just, uh, what a challenging, what a, what a, a good time that was, so, um, uh. This morning and, uh, and next week, next two weeks, we're going to talk about biblical discipleship and, uh, and growth, uh, spiritual growth. And uh, there's, there's two ways, um, in, in my mind, uh, for uh, us to look at discipleship and growth. One is a personal growth, and an and individual and, and, and those close to us, but also the second would be a, uh, a corporate uh, growth, a body of believers, growth of local body of believers, the church. And... Uh, there are overlapping, obviously, but, uh, things between these two, uh, to be sure. But, uh, but these areas, um, there's, there's specific things to each of these that, that we can learn and that, that we can help uh, grow. And so this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak uh, mainly to uh, personal spiritual growth. And, uh, and next week I'll, I'll seek to address um, the corporate uh, spiritual growth. I want to start with... Uh, with Matthew 28, and a familiar passage, I'm sure, to, to most of us. Uh, this is Jesus' <coughs> Jesus call to his disciples here. He had, uh, um, was uh, with his disciples on a mountain, and, and uh, he, um, he says here, uh, starting in, in verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Um, you look at that all authority in heaven and on earth, we could spend a lot of time with that uh, with that phrase right there couldn 't we but uh, but're we 're going to keep going here. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I had commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, and we are called to make. Disciples. That's what Christ calls us to do. Um, it is a command given to his church to make disciples. But it's also a command to his followers to make disciples. And uh, if you think about this phrase, how, it is, how it is, uh, or this statement that Jesus made here, think about what this meant to the, to the Jews of that day. How he said, go into all the world, right? Go into all the world, making disciples. Uh, The Jews were very uh, focused on Judaism and what what God had had set up there for them, weren't they? They didn't get the picture that they were the light to the world. Um, And so, for them to go, what what a... what an incredible statement for them to, uh, to understand, to realize, and to hear from Jesus. And so, um, so that is, uh, is significant, I think, as we, as we look at <clears throat> what Jesus calls us to do as believers. Um, I want to take a stab at answering four basic questions here uh, this morning on discipleship and spiritual growth. And those questions are, number one, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Number two, is spiritual growth really so important? The third question I want to look at is, if we want to grow spiritually, how do we do that? And lastly, what if we don't grow spiritually? And so, the first question, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? A first century disciple was a student of a teacher. Um, it was a, photo- a follower of a particular uh, leader, uh, teacher, maybe political uh, arena. But that's, that's, what, that's what a disciple uh, was. Okay? But what Jesus had in mind um, with the term disciple in Matthew 28 is more than just being a student of a teacher. That is, that is part of it, but it's, but it's much more than that. Um, Dr. Warren Wiersbe, um, he used a, a modern word to help kind of broaden uh, what, what um, the Bible teaches about, um, about being a disciple. And he used the word apprentice. He thought that the word apprentice was a more complete term in, in English. And uh, that apprentice is, uh, is absolutely, it's submitting yourself... Uh, to to the teacher, you're learning. You're you're right there with them, day to day, growth, struggling, uh, growing, um, and and learning. But <clears throat> but it's not just uh, working alongside of and and learning from. But it's living with the master. It's being a part of that mission. It's it's joining together. And so so that term apprentice for me, um, I I think that is what Christ is is calling. Uh, his disciples to be. It is a full in, full on, learning, growing, and uh, duplicating and being who, who Christ is and who the Master is. Um, this apprenticeship is not a, uh, a good, I, I did my job, I got through, I got the certificate, I can put it on my wall, I'm set, I got that, all right, what next is it? This is a life, lifelong endeavor. Uh, we never arrive. We have never finished. Um, there's only one time when we've finished, and that's when the Lord calls us home to be with him. And then, I would argue, we're really getting started. But, um, but it's, it's, not a, it's, it's, it's a lifelong endeavor. And Jesus calls for humble submission to the Godhead here in, uh, in Matthew chapter 28. Um, he calls for baptism, where a believer is buried, um, is 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 under the water, buried with Christ, and risen in newness of life with Christ. It's a it's a picture, it's a symbol, but it's a submissive thing that, that uh, Christ calls to happen. Okay, is, is that is that baptism, and uh, and so they are raised up to serve Him in in a new life. And this submissive act in the name is is not just in the name of Jesus; it's in the name of what does it say? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we see the Godhead there, don't we? We see the Trinity, and and this is one of those places where we see and we start to understand what the Bible teaches us about God. Personally, I don't think we can fully understand God. Uh, we are limited. We are finite, but we can start, we see passages here, and there's, there's many others, and, and and we won't take time to go there today, but um, this is the Godhead, and it's a submissiveness that the believer, the disciple is to be um, to the Godhead, and to each member of the Godhead um, uh, submitting there. There's also a command for spiritual growth and learning, and believers are To teach others, are they not? They are to teach others, and they are to be taught. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. There there is a teaching aspect here. There is a speaking. There is a living. There is a life-on-life component that is supposed to be a part of discipleship and discipleship growth. Believers are to teach others and to be taught by others. This growth in the knowledge of God's word is what is uh, one of the critical elements of this uh, of this commandment. We are to teach all that I have commanded you. All right, it is the commands of Christ. It is it is His word, and it is it is God's word, the Bible. That we are to uh, that we are to teach. The disciple of Jesus Christ must know his word and be committed to walking in his word. Must be committed. Has to be there. If it's if it's just a, a uh, I did that. I'm I'm good. I'm covered. That's that's not what Christ had in mind. That's not what he wanted wanted for us. Um, John chapter 10, um, verses 1 through 5, uh, talks about the good shepherd. Again, a passage that, uh, that I'm sure you're fairly familiar with. But, but listen to what John uh, chapter 10 uh, tells us uh, here. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I remember when (coughs) I... uh, when I remembered my dad's voice. Heard it my whole life? You you know what I'm talking about? It was even more than that. I could I could tell when my father cleared his throat. I knew who it was. Oh, it's my dad. You know, oh, I know where he is. I heard him. I kind of do the same thing. That's you know, just just the way that goes. But when we know when we know our Father's voice, when we know someone's voice, uh, then we, we know who we're, who we're about, what it's about. Here, followers of Christ, they know the good shepherd's voice. He calls to their sheep. They, they, they know it. And how do they know his voice? How does that happen? It happens because they know his word. It happens because they can tell when it's a stranger, that's a strange word I'm hearing. That's, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. That's not exactly the word that I, that I remember hearing. And so they, they know the difference between Jesus' voice and a stranger's voice. And they know how to figure out whether it is Jesus' voice or it's a stranger's voice. Jesus also calls us to obedience or, or faithfulness. You know, knowledge is not enough to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, is it? Knowledge is not enough. It, 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 it lacks. There has to be a faith. There has to be a depth. There has to be a commitment that, that comes from it. He commands that his followers are obedient to his word and the word of God that he fulfilled. Obedience is, is, is part of this. Um, it's what Jesus is commanding there and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, right? You're observing, you're doing it, you're acting, you're obedient because you are a follower of Christ. And and each disciple is to make disciples wherever God calls them to serve. Let me say that again. Each of us, from Matthew 28, each of those that are disciples of Christ are called to make disciples wherever, wherever we serve. It's not Pastor Jeff's job. It's not my job. It's not the elder's job. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. Well, it is. It's all of theirs. But it's followers of Christ's job. And so that's part of this overlap. We'll talk, we'll talk more corporately what that means to, to, uh, to be discipling others and, and to be growing that way. But you cannot, you cannot let it go that you, as a follower of Christ, are called to disciple others. And uh, that, is, that is a major step in spiritual growth in and of itself. We are called to be in the disciple-making business. And, uh, and we, cannot, we cannot avoid it. It's what we're called to do, both personally and as, as a body of believers. And that's one of the core distinctives that, that we have. you look on the top of your bulletins, it lists the, the four uh, core distinctives of, of our church. And, and that is one of our, our core distinctives, is that we are, we are making biblical disciples. We're about doing that. That's what we want to do. Second question, is spiritual growth really so important? <clears throat> you know, I've been dealing with my dad who's, who's struggling with failing memory and uh, getting advanced in years. Um, my son Tobin, Lan, and I got to go spend some time with him uh, a few, a couple weeks back, a few weeks back, beginning of the month, and, uh, and really enjoyed that. And physically, he's doing well for his age. Uh, we celebrated his 89th birthday, uh, July 3rd, and physically, he's doing, he's doing well. He's up and... and uh, and walking and, and loves to walk every day and get moving. He, uh, 89, he still can, can uh, bend down and tee up his own golf ball and, uh, without falling over, without stumbling. And, uh, and he, can, uh, he can hit his golf ball every now and then. Amazingly enough, uh, he'll, he'll get a par on a par three. And we're just like, wow, that's good. Trust me, some of the shots are not so good. There, uh, but uh, but uh, you know, his his memory is failing, but his muscle memory. Um, he's 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 been playing this game for over seventy five years. He um, this isn't in my notes, but uh, he told me a story that uh, when he was young, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, um, he uh, he grew up in a in a Swedish town in Illinois called Rockford, and uh, he said that at the uh, At the golf course at the at the country club, or whatever it was there, um, most of the young men who who were you know uh, 17, 18, 19, 20. Um, who were caddies? That was their summer job. They they were off fighting in World War II, and so they had these young young guys come in. So he said, as, at a young age, 13, you, and you got to carry two bags. If you're not carrying two bags, you're not doing your job. So now they didn't have you know the plethora of clubs and arsenal that is available today. But uh, so he so he's been playing this game for over 75 years, which is uh, which is. Pretty cool, actually. So, um, he's he's made it a lifestyle of, of walking. Uh, he used to used to run, liked to bike. He would he would lift weights, and he, it was just a part of his lifestyle. He has a close friend that he uh, that he walked with um, um, f- fairly regularly for for several years. Um, he's about ten years younger than him, but uh, but he re- didn't really like to walk all that much. Didn't really like to exercise all that much. Um, he was an athlete, former athlete whatever whatever that is but uh, but he didn 't really like it all that much and so um, his health, uh, even though ten years younger is is failing very, very rapidly, and you can just see um, his his failing health and part of that is because he 's not doing anything he's he 's not using it he 's not, he's not uh, about uh, being about life and living and, and things like that and so um my point is um, that physical exercise is helpful for us to continue with a, a physical lifestyle, a, a, a physicalness. It's not the only factor, obviously. I mean, I mean, truth be told, sure, but it is—it is definitely a factor. It's the same thing spiritually. It's the same thing spiritually. Mark Dever in his book uh, used this uh, uh, quote, made this quote, which, which I, I love, and I think, you'll, I think you'll know why here, us Alaskans. Uh, he said, only things that are alive swim upstream. The dead things all float along with the current. Do, do we not see that like all the time <laughs> where we live? But that's very true. Only the things that are alive will swim upstream. We'll we'll go for it. We'll battle. We'll do the work that is needed to continue to head upstream, to continue on towards the goal. The things that are dead, they just float downstream and uh, decompose and uh, become a significant part of the ecosystem, right? It's true. And... I think the question for you and for me is, are you in the struggle of swimming upstream spiritually or are you floating downstream where the cultural current takes you? That's a great question. And that's a question that each of us has to look at uh, in our own lives and see what we are about spiritually. Are we about this growth, or are we just kind of functioning and, and, and go, going about our business? Turn, if you would, uh, or, or look at the screen here, 2 Peter 3. I love Peter. Um, he, uh, he makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> um, and uh, here in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, Verses 14 through 18, let me read. It says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these, th- these matters. There are some things in them Amen. You know, I love how Peter talks about Scripture, about writings. Um, you know, quite frankly, there are, uh, there are uh, some significant passages that Paul writes that are hard to understand. They are hard to come, come through and work through. Um, but that's where the challenge for spiritual growth really comes about to us, is that I'll never be able to understand You know, fill in the blank. Or, am I going to take steps? Am I going to study? Am I going to be in the Word? Am I going to talk with those who have studied, who have looked into this, who have uh, some knowledge and some experience, maybe that I don't? And so, so those challenges can motivate us towards spiritual growth and towards spiritual maturity, which which is where we need to be. Peter also tells us that if we are not diligent, the errors by lawless people can cause us to lose our stability. Lose our stability. Do you know anyone in your life, a believer in your life, who is losing their stability? It's it's a challenge. It's very real. And, And the... The battle for that, the battle to to go against that, is to be in the Word, is to grow spiritually, is to to rise up to the challenge and and swim upstream. It's a warning. There's a warning against following non-biblical teaching. That's that's what's going on here. A warning against following non-biblical teaching. But we're also commanded, in verse 18, to grow in the grace and knowledge of God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we're that's what we're called to do. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a command. It's not an option, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. And as as we looked at, we're either obedient as disciples or we are disobedient as disciples. And so your part of what you are called to do as a disciple of Christ, if you are serious about your relationship with God, if you're serious about being a follower of His, then you will grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's imperative. It's an imperative command. We we are to grow spiritually. And the more we grow in the knowledge of Him, the more we grow in the realization of His grace that we have received through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, as I get ancient, I'm a grandfather, I have arctic blonde hair. Uh, it is so evident as we go on, as I go on. Man, I just appreciate Christ's grace more and more all the time. I'm telling you, it's the way it is. In Ephesians 4, we read how we are to grow into spiritual maturity. And uh, and there are, some, there are some points of interconnectedness with the per- personal and corporate uh, spiritual growth here. So I'd like you to, to turn to Ephesians 4. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 3, and then skip down and, and uh, read 11 through 16. <clears throat> I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness. With patience, bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Worthy of the calling of Christ. Wow. Doesn't that just pierce pierce the heart? We are to walk with humility, with gentleness, with love. And with the goal of unity in the body. Steve, uh, Pastor Steve talked about unity of the body uh, a few weeks back. And that is, that is the goal of the maturity of spiritual growth is, is love and, and unity of the body. And uh, it's like I say, as I, as I get older, I appreciate the grace of Christ more and more uh, in my life. And it's, it's a lot easier for me to be more gentle and understanding with people around me. As I get older and older, amen? All right. Verse 11. It says, uh, "...and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ." so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are growing up in every way to him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds up itself in love. Do you, see that? Do you see that unity there? Excuse me. We read that the spiritual leadership has been given to the church for the building up of the body of Christ. And those, those positions, those leadership positions that are stated there. If there is not spiritual exercise, the body will atrophy uh, both spiritually and physically, it will, it will atrophy. And so there must be, there must be spiritual exercise. There must be growth there. The spiritual leadership of the church bears the responsibility to equip the saints for the work in the body. Spiritual leadership must equip the saints. But the saints and the members need to do, need to do the work. They need to be about, about doing that. A movement toward maturity the goal of, of spiritual maturity um, is so that human cunning, deceitful schemes, doctrinal waves and wind will not toss the young believer to and fro, as, as happens when, when someone is new in the faith. Immature children, immature believers are tossed to, to and fro. They believe things. They don't necessarily have the voice of the master quite down yet. And so they're still listening for that truth. Verse 16 uh, talks about each part working properly of the body that grows together and is built up in love. And that's, that's what Christ calls his church to be. And uh, if you look around at churches, it's, it's, uh, it's rare to have a church that really loves each other, that supports each other, that's encouraging each other, but that's the goal. That's where the spirit, spiritual maturity is supposed to lead you. That's what you're supposed to do. And so it's, it's that goal of, of moving that way and being built up love. It's a beautiful picture of how the body of Christ is to live. But the individual mandate for personal and spiritual growth cannot be minimized. When the members of the church are growing in spiritual maturity, the church realizes this with unity and with love for each other. Please turn over to 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, quickly. It says, We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love for every one of you, for one another, is increasing. And that's, that's huge. Growth, spiritual growth, Equals love for the body of believers. Spiritual growth equals love for the body of believers. Well, a third question if we want to grow spiritually, how do we do that? What do we do? You know, a good place to start is being disciplined in our time in the Word. We are to be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. You remember the Bereans? Paul and uh, Silas had had been in uh, Philippi, and then the w- uh, Philippian jailer. You may remember, remember that. And then they went to Thessalonica, and then uh, they got they got uh, escorted out of the city of Thessalonica, and they came to Berea, and it says this in verse ten of Acts. Chapter 17, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. And that is how we are to, to be. Uh, when when you come to church on a Sunday morning, when you uh, go to a Bible study, when you hear the word being preached, you are you are to listen. You're to listen critically, and then you're to go. Now wait a second. What uh, what Pastor Schneider said? I need to I need to go in here and I need to see uh, Jeff Cross. I you know I got to check this out. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what the Brians do. And what what does Scripture call them? They're more noble. Because they took the time to invest in the Word. They took the time to go and see for themselves if this is exactly what, what uh, God's Word says. And so we are to, uh, to act like Bereans. Remember, Scripture can be difficult. Remember Second Peter uh, 3. Um, but there is a great reward in being a disciplined student of the Word. Great reward. And that is what we are to be about. Personal study in in the Bible, um, you know, I don't think there's a substitute for that. But also corporate study in the Bible together is essential to the growth of a believer. And so each each has its place and each has its role. Each believer should be involved in discipleship, discipling someone else. Remember, Matthew 28 said. Go, you specifically go and make disciples, and and uh, you know you can come up with all sorts of things. I don't know the Bible well enough. I can't answer all the questions. I didn't even go to Bible college or you know Christian school. Whatever um, we can have all kinds of reasons why, um, and those are just excuses. And uh, in our household, I I came up with a very profound saying. Um, I said, children, do you know what excuses are? What? They're excuses. That's what they are. Okay? They're excuses. So call it what it is. You can come up with all sorts of excuses, but they're excuses. The reality is, you know the word better than someone. And you know the word better than someone in your sphere of influence. And even if you don't know the Word as well as someone, we can sit down and interact, and we can encourage one another, and we can grow together, and we can learn together. And so, they're excuses. Call it what it is. You know, at least, at least be honest and say it's an excuse, okay? If you really want to know something, what do you do? You teach it. If you really want to know something, you teach it. Because if you teach something and you don't know it, it's it's pretty ugly. <laughs> you have to know something if you're going to teach it. And so, spending that time going in and going, oh, I got to sound like I know what I'm talking about. And I got well, teach it, okay? That's what it is. Um, could be mistaken, but I believe there's teaching opportunities available, even on this corner. You can always share what God is doing in your life. You can share the struggles, you can share the challenges, the victories, the answers to prayer, the things that he's doing in your life, you can always share that. When you pray with and study the word with others, you will see spiritual growth in your life. Have you ever heard the saying, if you want a a friend, be a friend? It's a good saying. I think it's accurate. Very accurate. And uh, I would say, if you, uh, if you want spiritual growth in your life, share spiritual disciplines with others. Be intentional and be, have a role in, in other people's lives around you. Um, each of us can make time to spend with someone, encouraging them, asking them how we can pray for them, life, living life with them. We can do that. That's not a problem. Some of you do that really, really well. But but we can do that. There's a Foundations of Faith class at the 9 o'clock hour starting next month. Is that right? Pastor Steve's leading it. All right. Right in the chapel, I believe. Is it in the chapel? All right. Look at that. I'm two for two. Uh, and that is starting next month. Get up. Grab a cup of joe if you need to. Get to the Foundations of of faith class and you'll at least have something to talk about with people at work your next door neighbor people that you at, meet at the grocery store you know do something do something listen to sermons that will challenge you in your faith listen with a Berean ear that is critical and is challenging saying really? is that right? Listen that way. Read books that will help you in your, your spiritual growth. Um, a lot of work has been done for you. There's some great books in the bookstore right over here that uh, would recommend uh, Be involved in that. So, so work on this spiritual growth. Okay, there's, there's a way of doing it. Believe it or not, becoming a serving member in your church um, is, is an amazing way to grow. When you are in service... When you are putting others ahead of yourself and serving them, um, you grow spiritually. It's almost like Christ was the example for that and set that in place and told us to do that. Uh, it's, it's amazing how that works, but it's very, very true. So being involved in service will help spiritual growth open up in your life. It will be good for you. And you go, why? Why? Well, we are designed. We are called to serve others. And when we are too focused on ourselves, it results in a miserable self-centeredness. When we only see us, as soon as I get to, as soon as I handle, as soon as I figure out, it isn't going to end, <laughs> you'll always have a reason. We see this all around us in our world, don't we? It's not, just, it's not just Christians. We see this everywhere in our world. Get outside of yourself and go. Um, Matthew, and, uh, Jesus in, in Matthew, uh, chapter 10, verse 39, I'll just read this quickly, said this. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake We'll find it. That's the key. That's the secret. It doesn't make sense. Hey, the kingdom of God doesn't make sense to this world. If you you haven't figured that out, it it, it does not make sense. But it is true, and it is where the kingdom of heaven is where real peace resides. Well, lastly, what if we don't grow spiritually? Uh, You know, there's a guy named Charles Templeton who was a close, uh, the closest friend and pulpit partner, a guy named Billy Graham. And uh, in the late 40s and early 50s, they were traveling companions all around the world, all around the world. had amazing uh, crusades in, in Europe. And uh, they were, were partners in preaching the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And Templeton was a few years older than Graham, and uh, according to, to Lee, Lee Strobel, an author, and, and many others, um, it felt that Templeton really, at that time, had, had the upper hand, was going to be much more successful, was going to be, uh, spiritually speaking, was going to be just kind of elevated, and, and, uh, and Graham would just kind of kind of uh, follow along with him, but, but really he was a better preacher and, and would have more s- spiritual success than Billy Graham. But spiritual doubts rose in both men's minds in those early days, and uh, in about 1949, 50 ish, um, Templeton struggled with the question of how a loving God can allow suffering and evil in the world, and he reasoned that because of this, and he couldn't figure it out, and and. Other difficult questions he had. He didn't have the answers. And so he figured and he reasoned that no one can know if God exists. And so he walked away from the faith. Billy Graham describes a critical moment when on his knees holding his Bible in the air he said, quote, The Holy Spirit freed me to say it. Father, I am going to accept this as thy word. By faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts, and I will believe this to be your inspired word. End quote. He believed, as uh, W. Bingham Hunter states, Faith is a rational response to the evidence of God's self-revelation in nature, human history, the scriptures, and his resurrected son. He believed it, and he held to that. Templeton said, basically, if I cannot answer the questions, then I will not believe in God. Who's the center of Templeton's universe? Templeton is. If you don't have it figured out, sorry, can't do that. Billy Graham felt... Even though I do not have the answers to these questions, I cannot deny what I know to be true about God, his creation, and his word. I will believe in his inspired word and that it is truth. And, you know, make no mistake, there is a spiritual battle going on for every one of us. Every one of us. Sometimes we realize it and we feel it more than others, but there's a spiritual battle for everyone. Some churches are, are like those described in Revelation uh, chapter 3, the, the church of Laodicea. And uh, <clears throat> it says this I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Does that not sound like a lot of our churches? We are rich. We are well off. We are not in need. We are well taken care of. When in fact God says you don't see yourself, you are pitiful, poor, naked, wretched. And uh, if you are lukewarm, God will spit you out of his mouth. He has no time for that. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not an easy road. But it is the narrow path that leads to life. As he said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Christ knew this. He understood this. The narrow path, the easy path, the difficult path, the wide path. He he understood and he he stated that. First John says this. First John one five through uh, two six. This is the message we have heard from him, proclaiming to you that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Think about that. You have an advocate, someone speaking on your defense to God the Father. That's Jesus Christ. That's awesome. He is the propitiation for our sins, or the complete satisfaction for the penalty of our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way he walked. Whoever abides in Jesus Christ ought to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. He is the example that we are to live by. If we claim we have no sin, we are a liar. Right? Confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to the Lord, realizing the grace we have been given through Christ, the propitiation, the, the complete satisfaction for our sins. This should humbly bring our, us to our knees in gratitude. And when we are the center of the universe, our own universe, and do not enter in the spiritual battle of wrestling with doubts, fears, pain, and suffering, according to God's sovereign plan, we are acting as though we are spiritually dead and floating downstream with the current. This is one reason why we need each other as brothers and sisters in Christ to reach out to one another and speak truth according to God's word. We must engage in the battle to have spiritual growth because God commands it of us and it is vital for our spiritual health. May we resonate with what Peter writes in 2 Peter 3:14 Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation.